but I feel like openly wise, I should always ask you about like how phallic this microphone should be. It's look. like extremely, it's decent. I don't yeah. know what. Is this as. <laughs> <laughs> if this was coming at me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Is this Is this too big a phallic shape? Is this, is this too big for your mouth? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Meg Clark. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I love how also, um, but before we start, I feel like we've known, we've known of each other for years, we've, since like 2018, but it's like, which feels like eons ago like the, the, i know but i i can't why how, <laughs> how, why do what? i know you i don't no, know how how, um, how do i layton layton our oh, mutual friend layton i love that you oh, do- that's right yeah. you were the jam thing i was the jam you thing. were the jam oh my god i actually fully forgot about <laughs> that <laughs> You were like, how do we know? What Literally. contact do I have? How? Now I have answered all your questions. Um, that's um, right. Of course. Yeah, because you were you and I had a full-on debrief about we the did. jam. Yeah. In and a cafe. I was like so not in the best place at that time. So. No, you were going through shit. Yeah, it was uh, an intense moment. Yeah, it was very it was very hot on your sleeve kind yeah. of conversation because <laughs> it was like i'm meeting you in this kind of like casual professional environment and meg's just sitting there going well this is me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is my crappy I, I think i didn't know what else to say I no was i like, yeah i'm going through a breakup um anyway cool cool script dude <laughs> yeah yeah that's right because you got to have a long-term relationship at the time yes i did yeah but oh. that's uh, all good now. Yeah, no, it's we. It's years <laughs> later. You're in a happier one now, so it's not like yeah. You're living that sort of dark, yeah. depressing dream again. <laughs> it was a strange time, but mm. also I was so young. It's so cooked, don't you think? With COVID, because I was like 24 when COVID happened. Mm. And now I'm 27. Yeah. Like, I actually don't know what happened in that space of time. Like, it feels like this, like, suction pull and I still feel like I'm 24. Yeah. But then I look back on that time when I had that conversation with you and I'm like, oh, no, girl, you actually have grown up so much. Yeah. It's- like, I was a baby then. Even <laughs> though I feel like the same person, I was actually a baby. Do you feel like COVID forced you to grow up faster? Um... <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's a that's a hard question. I guess like it was pretty. I mean, fucking hell, we don't really want to talk about. It. Oh, sorry. Go, yeah, swear? yeah, you can swear. Oh, okay. So go wild. I mean, but COVID schmovid. Like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like I I totally agree with you because now years later, if COVID didn't happen, I reckon like a lot of things wouldn't have happened. Like I reckon there's True. a lot of immaturity. That I think comes with particularly not understanding the gravit, like the gravitas <laughs> yeah. of your own at, like life and what that kind of implements and how you you know you can impact you know everyone around you and I think COVID really kind of also did this great thing which is you know collectively get rid of the people some of the people that obviously 
our shit bags. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, I fully thought you were saying COVID did this great thing because it killed, killed me. <laughs> no, I was not. <laughs> um, no, I just got rid of some friends. Like you know, it's just a great, a great thing. So you, can, you kind of learn about people very quickly when a pandemic happens, mm-hmm. and. Um, I'm not talking vaccines or anything. I'm talking like literally just care factor mm. of people being like, I mean, you learn a lot about vaccines, but uh, <laughs> your, <laughs> yeah, your face you was do. like, your face like. A couple a ter- of people I don't talk to anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I feel like the biggest thing I think was even before the vaccines, just everyone went, oh, into their own space. And then you sort of really saw the people who kept kind of bothering to make sure everyone was okay. And then the people who just went, nah, don't give a shit about anyone. And then, um, you know, I feel like it's a mixture of people because I feel like, um, you know, everyone's going through at their own pace. But I definitely think that some people came out of COVID better. And then some people actually came out more selfish than when they went in. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I feel like actually something that I learned through COVID which maybe sounds a little bit like rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that uh, everybody was posting all the time online being like don't worry like you can take time off this is your time like you know and I totally get that like yeah. it was it was such a fuck up like whoa mental health was low. But weirdly for me I would see those posts and be like don't worry you can you can use this time to like relax and you don't have to be creative or work but for me I think I grew up because I was like, no, like no one's coming to fucking save you. Yeah, Do your work, make something happen. Because otherwise, like you're just going to be sitting here doing nothing. And that is like, as an actor, you always are waiting for someone to give you a job. And it kind of made me realize like, oh my God, this is what I've been doing my whole life. And now I've actually got the clarity to see like, no one's coming to save you, dude. Yeah. No one's going to make it happen for you. You actually have to make it happen for yourself. Yeah. So when I would read the things being like, don't worry, take time off. I was like, no, no, do the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. Work your butt off. Yeah. Until- this is your chance. <laughs> While everybody else is sleeping, you make a masterpiece. <laughs> Well, well, you, <laughs> Jesus Christ is like, while you, I've drugged everyone in the house. Don't worry, I've made the masterpiece with their Literally, bodies. Like, that's right, that's <laughs> what I did. Yeah, I can tell. Um, no, I agree with that entirely. I think, I think it's like you know, I, I just think that the busier I was, especially because it gave me time to do all the things that I wanted to do. Like, I didn't have time before COVID because I was kind of dealing with you know, like work and life and actual things that are going on. Then I had COVID and I was like, oh man, there's so many things I can actually do and, mm. and make a life and create a, the things that I love and, you know, set a lot of projects in motion. Yeah, um, well, totally. You've just done a 12-hour day of I know. work, people. And that then, is crazy. <laughs> and then I come and chat with you. I know. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know how you're doing it. I would be like, F off, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's lots of sleep. It's lots. And also coffee. Coffee is my friend. Um, it's it's like I'm a slave to it. But I'm also a workaholic. Like, would you right. describe yourself as a workaholic? Or are you very good at, like, laying off? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hard. To, it's hard to tell because... I'm a workaholic, like, if I'm doing work that I like, Mm. but because obviously being in the arts means you have to do a lot of casual work, I would say that makes me become very lazy because I don't really, like, feel passionate about that casual work. 
no offense, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, how dare you not feel casual, like casually interested so, in the? Yeah, it makes you a bit like I, it, I, I can get a bit lazy. Yeah, but uh, if I'm not working on something creative, I get like yeah, I feel very depressed. So, I'd say I was a workaholic in that way. Yeah, because you know, like predominantly, you started in acting, which is yeah. you know, and then you went into a bit of dabbling and directing and yeah. writing and creating. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that COVID related? <laughs> yeah, it was actually. Um, um, my partner and I were just like, what kind of what I was saying before uh, about not waiting around. We were like, well, shit, man, like this COVID thing's happened. Don't mm. know how long it's going to go for. Don't know what's going to happen to the industry. Um, let's just make our own films. Yeah. And so that's pretty much the reason that, all occurred um and then i read his writing and i was like oh this is really good i think we can do something with this so yeah and then it's just kind of like gone on since then i'm still editing my film that i directed which is Mm. challenging but awesome (laughs) is this the one i think i think i've heard a bit about which i think was written last year and then got filmed this year was it that one yes it's called Pearly Gates. Um, Sounds ominous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's about like being a young gal, but also dealing with uh, like domestic violence. So, you know, oh. it's interesting. But it's also kind of got like some fun elements in it. Yeah. It's quite, it's like quite a youthful sort of like, if it was a color, it would be the color like pink, I guess. <laughs> Ooh. Very um, strange way to describe a film. But, yeah, no, you know. very pink, especially with domestic, yeah. uh, uh, you know, yeah, violence I and mean, abuse. Like, totally, you know, hand in hand. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> not the color palette, I thought. Um, uh, yes, well, you know, keep the people <laughs> on their toes. Um, so, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, what were I mean, you say? no, no, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I mean, that's extraordinary, though. Like, you know, the the fact that that, is, but you have done now two films. We, yes, we have fully completed one and it's like doing the festival circuit yeah. as in entry circuit Yeah, right now. Um, and my one that I directed is, uh, yeah, it's about to go into like sound, color and composition. <laughs> mm. Do you feel like, like nervous about that for this one? Um, I felt really nervous when we were doing the edit. I yeah. was, like, really stressed out. I was like, okay, well, the fuck, it's not what I thought it was going to be. This is crazy. Like, what? I, I, I didn't direct this film. Like, this isn't what I wanted. But I just realized that when you direct a scene and then you put it next to another scene, you go, oh, my God, I didn't – I guess I didn't really think about it all together. Or I yeah. did, but it just didn't end up exactly the way that I thought it would, which mm. was actually a great opportunity because we essentially, like, rejigged the whole thing and like kind of made this cool out of like uh the t- in terms of timeline we like messed with the timeline and have done a non-linear structure that's oh. the word and i think it's like upped it massively yeah so it's like you make the film many times you know you film it and then you edit it and it's like a whole different thing and then i think sound design will bring like a whole nother thing to it so i'm feeling really excited now yeah and- yeah Watching a film without sound design or music is very tough. Oh, it's tough. It's, it's tough. Um, I think the first time I ever watched a film 
that like I you know and even like I think I directed it the first time and I was like god this is shit (laughs) you just have this horrible Mm. feeling that nothing's worked or like the first time you see any of the shots like in any sequence put together you're like none of this works everything looks terrible Um, but and... they do say that if you don't think the first edit of your film is dog shit, then you're a terrible director. So yes. we must be so talented. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I feel like you can have a good first edit of a film though. Like, you know, you, I, it's interesting as well because the longest I've ever spent editing a film and not, I didn't even direct this. It was like a year. I had spent, it was 20 minutes. It's online. Um, it's, it, <laughs> What's it's, it called? Uh, it's called Overrated. It was directed by Joe W. Bridges. And I mean, like, the process was just like a nightmare because he had moved back to Brazil and mm. I was shooting high res material between Australia and Brazil and time difference. Mm. Just, and then I got horrendously sick. So I got like the biggest flu. This was like 2015. Got a big flu. And it's now up online. But I think the problem was it's one of those films that you know initially probably only had a few drafts. And I don't blame him because it's like I uh, you know, like he wrote it, but I don't blame him entirely. I think it's <laughs> I think the concept is great. I just don't think the execution was good because there was a lot of things that I I remember after he left, um, because he's originally from Brazil, he had to go back because his um uh like his uni visa had run out, oh, so yes, he couldn't yes. actually do anything anymore. And, um, yeah, he basically just went, oh, um, yeah, hello, I love it. And I, I remember it was the first time I ever learned where a director kind of didn't know there were gaps in their own film. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's a lot of, like, you've got to always look at the gaps mm-hmm. of where information's missing. And it's why I don't think that, I like... Um, like, no matter how many drafts and how many, you know, like, I think rehearsals are a key thing. I think, like, mm-hmm. planning stuff out is a key thing because on the day, even, like, you learn so much. Like, n- nothing from the time you conceive the script to the time you get to the editing is going to flow. And then I think sometimes when you rely heavily on films that, you know, they need a narrative structure. And I feel like this was a first film. You could clearly tell it was a very well shot film but it was just it lacked that kind of end goal of what the character wanted mm-hmm. and what they needed and i think to take a year to do it was not that necessary right, it right. was just a lot of backing of there the story was it was just a lot of back and forth and I, it was so much work to edit this film that you know editing is one of those things and i think it also was the first time i'd ever learned that a director doesn't know entirely what they're looking for when they editing a film until it's done mm-hmm. like they really don't know and this is no criticism to any director but if you 100 percent tell me you 100 percent know what you're after in the edit i don't believe you like at all because mm. i've never met a director who, unless they've gone oh i've edited it myself and that's what i want and then in which case you're just copying and pasting like that's a different story mm. but most times they editor and the director kind of have an idea and then they hope that idea kind of rolls into what they want. Yeah. And you're right. kind of stitching together a puzzle and a baby that might be a bit of a Frankenstein's monster halfway between. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully mm-hmm. like the Mona Lisa at the end. Yeah. I like really hope <laughs> the ultimate, the ultimate. Yeah. Like, you know, you're really hoping that it will be the pinnacle of what you want, but it, it is hard. I think for directors, especially like, 
um, you know, just, you know, learning about the craft. And I don't think yet, like, have you ever worked on anything as an, especially as a performer and being like, read the script, the director knew 100% and then you saw it on screen and you were like, that was what I felt like the director wanted, but it wasn't. Um, no. <laughs> You're like everything I did was exactly what they wanted. No, no, I happy. mean like, I mean, I mean, um, no, I, I mean, no, I've never seen it go exactly how, yeah. how I imagined it would go Yeah, of what they communicated. But I think that's because, I mean, for me as a director, I was a bit of a control freak, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> as I am wont to be, and um, <laughs> I had such a clear plan of what I wanted in the edit. I had like told the editor, like I had like highlighted the sections and been like this bit to this. Yep. I'd chosen everything and was like, I essentially just need you to assembly line this exactly how I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> as I said, control freak, and it was rubbish. So then it was like, oh, oh, fuck, okay, right. Mm. And I think, like, what then happens is is you realize how many options there are. Like, Mm. how many – you can go so many ways. You can actually – there's endless options. So Mm. then you get a bit overwhelmed. And then you, like, hopefully land on the right one. Yeah. So I feel like the work that I've seen myself in, that's of – I think that's probably been their journey. I mean, not dissimilar to mine. I did a – film a feature film which is still not out yet but anyway apparently it's um getting there <laughs> um <laughs> isn't that my favorite term is when features is that the one i think i've seen clips of yes it yeah, is. yeah, yeah. <laughs> god really okay never mind we're moving swiftly on um <laughs> but uh yeah i'm doing adr for it soon actually um that film was so clearly like communicated to me and i had a great relationship with the director and it was like going I thought that it would be like a really good result, but then I found out that he ended up totally messing with it in the edit and completely changing the whole thing mm. and the whole structure. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just sometimes when you you need to like honor the footage you get, and you never really know what that is until you see it properly side by side. Because on the day you're watching, going, "Wow, this is amazing," and then you see it later, and you're kind of like, "Oh, okay, um, what." You know? Yeah. And I feel like... Um, I feel like that didn't really make any no, sense. No, it does. But... It do- it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it does. It totally does. I think it's also whenever I've directed anything, and it's the same with, like, when I did rehearsals and stuff, I really rely a lot heavily on the performance um, as well. Like, you know, obviously, you know, your shots and everything, and you kind of go, okay, well, these are what mm-hmm. I want. But you've got a DOP there. You've got, like... I know. You know performance is so important. You got like you got performance, and I think if you underestimate like your you know your actors or you direct, and I feel like you can overstep as a director. You can be like, I need you to do like you know like I want you to uh, you know feel like this in the scene, but I'm not gonna like I'm gonna watch you through it and then tweak it. But I think it was like you know some people are just like, nah, that was terrible. Do it again. And it's like there's mm-hmm. there's I think a way approaching performing. And creating a scene and looking at how it's written and then how it translates. And if it doesn't translate the way, work out where the miscommunication is going. In Because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you hire actors or you, you know, have people in your film who want to be actors and, and want to perform for a particular reason. Mm. And that, you know, might be any particular reason, but you kind of do have to trust their instincts as well Mm. as your own instinct 
and know when something's not right and when and how to communicate that that's not right because you know, I've been to some sets where people don't know and don't say anything or they, you know, like I've been on sets where suddenly they've thought it's a comedy, uh, but the way the actors performed it, you actually realise it's quite a nuanced, lower-end comedy and it's told in a very drama way, but it's still a comedy, but it's not told through the comedy style that the director was initially thinking. And I've been on those kind of sets mm. where you look at the edit later and you're like, this isn't the tonal shift that you need to swap the tone of what you're going to do here. Like I've seen that and I don't know yeah, if that's right. like, um, you know, through just like trial and error. Cause I, I remember like when, when we were doing, um, when we ended up before COVID and everything shut down, I remember specifically being on zooms and even being in physical with the like Leighton and Aaron. And I think we ended up having so many conversations about character and just rehearsals and how, and, and it shifted over time. Like mm. every time we'd talk about it, something new would come up. So it's like you do feel like you're if you're not working with your actors, then you're working against your actors. Like how do you communicate all your kind of like mess? <laughs> I'm gonna say it's mess when you're a director. It is mess, but how do you communicate all your thoughts and ideas to your actors and make sure that at least they're getting what you are trying to aim? Um <laughs> well, <laughs> I think, like, to be honest with you, casting is so, yeah. it's just, like, it, right? Like, mm. you know you know the person when you meet them. Being on the other side of the camera has made me feel so much better about jobs that I haven't gotten because I've realised, like, how unpersonal it is. Mm. Like, some of the girls that auditioned for the short film that I did were so incredible. Like, they were some of, they were so such good actors, but they just, like, weren't the character. And so I would say, firstly, like that's that's like a mistake that a lot of people make. I feel yeah, casting is so key. And then I guess like mostly, I mean, it was my first time, so I definitely like made some mistakes and probably could have communicated things more effectively. I was also in producer brain because that's what I'm used to being in. Mm. So most of my brain was about getting through the day quick enough that we could get everything in the day. Yeah. So there's like two takes of every scene. <laughs> Or every shot, I should say. Yeah. So, like, in next time, like, I would not do that. I would make someone else worry about that, even though there was a wonderful first AD there who kept telling me to just focus on my job. But I was like, no, hurry, hurry up. What what time is it? <laughs> anyway, so, yes, taking time. Uh, and um, I guess mostly, like, making actors feel, like, super comfortable and super connected to each other. Mm. And then, like, they really should do the work for you. And then it's just, like... I don't know. It's really hard when you're an actor to articulate it because I feel like for me it was just like, yeah, that was awesome what you brought. Like, what about this? Like, do, let's just fucking like try things and have fun because like that's how you feel when you're doing a good job of acting. And like, yeah, I was just there being like the cheerleader. I mean, like, I'm not. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was like a great example of a director. Uh, you know, like I don't. I don't know. I feel like a lot of directors who I work with, they're like live, breathe. They're like they know everything about film and like they use these fancy words and they're like really like, you know, they're obsessed with being a director. Like I wouldn't say that was exactly me. Yeah. I mean, I loved it <laughs> and I would love to do it again, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, I, I feel like that's hard to articulate, which is probably how my poor actors felt when they were working <laughs> with me. 
I I think that one of the most stressful things, also as you know, a director is when, and and you must get this when, as an actor, is when an actor goes, oh, I thought my acting was okay, and you're like, did I not communicate well enough to give you the performance <laughs> that you thought you were worthy? Like that's happened where, like, you know, because I feel like as performers, you know, and especially as being a previous performer, like it's self-deprecating. You don't think you're up here. When you do a scene, you're kind of like, oh, I, you know, I've never met an actor who's 100% proud of a scene they've done. They've gone, oh, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you mm-hmm. show it to someone who has no connection to them and is only an outsider in an audience going, oh, they were great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so different to how, like, you know, uh, some actors see themselves and they're like, eh, I was okay, you know, like, I was fine. But they love that they're in something. Do you get like? Do you feel like that as yourself as a performer as well? That you're very harsh and critical of yourself. Ah, uh, I feel like I you like I was very insecure at acting school. I feel like now not as much. Like, I think mm, I would feel more. I always just feel like there's always more that you can do. Like there is again a limitless amount of options to perform a role or do a scene or whatever and you can always do a better job you know like Mm. so I would say like I'm always keen to to make sure that it's you know fully uh finished but no I wouldn't say that I got like particularly insecure I'm just like want to do the job you know I just want to do it right and like when it feels good it feels good if it doesn't feel good like I want to do it again until it feels good you know, and yeah. then like if the director says to me like that was great, we definitely got that. I'm like, okay, great, let's move on. <laughs> you know, like it's like a job. <laughs> I know. know. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think I think that's the smartest way to think about it because you know, but I do feel like I feel like some people are so hung up about it and then just kind of get it whittle into their brains about yeah. it. In, yeah, and I don't know if that's just you know, your our own perspective of it just going, yeah, that was good enough. Um I mean like, have you ever gone on set as an actor or as a director and something terribly you know, or something's gone wrong or timing has been delayed or, you know, and you've just gone only <laughs> only that. <laughs> Every time. Always. It's always a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> it's surprised anything's made, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, even I, I actually did a film recently, which mm. was pretty exciting, but I thought that it would be, like, not like that. And it was, like, you know, it was obviously way more professional than, like, an indie film, but still, mm. you know, it was definitely things go wrong all the time, which is, I think, what's so great about making art. Like, it never goes to plan, and you no. just have to go with it. And that's actually what's fun about producing, even though most people hate producing. I love it. <laughs> but it's so fun because everything goes wrong and you just like constantly trying to figure out how to fix everything all the time. Mm. You know? I um I recently yeah. I really I recently just managed to um to film in Bombo Quarry, which is in Kayama. And the the funnest time was uh the lady uh, the Kayama council were just like, Oh, we'll have to email the um uh the Sydney Water people because they own part of the land. And I just went and typed into Google Sydney Water People, emailed them directly, <laughs> got answers quicker than the council would have gotten back to me. Mm-hmm. And I just f- sped up my f- um, my time like three weeks. And it was and it was incredible because, you know, like that's the thing of resources that, you know, as a producer you would think of. Like most people are like, 
oh no, that's fine. I'll just I'll leave the you know the button pushers to kind of do their work. And I'm like, no, no, no. I bypass everyone yeah, to get dude. my job done so I can fast there enough. There is so much red tape as well. Mm. Like there's just so much bullshit that you have to do, and it's like no one cares, man. We're just gonna film some scenes in a park, and like these kids can play in the background, and like we're not gonna hurt anybody. It's no. all good. <laughs> and it's and it's and councils like uh, you know are particularly bad. They're sitting councils are just like a nightmare. Um, and they're just like, and it doesn't happen often. Like you can, you know, the, the thing is you could film in your back lane or you could film in your local park and no one would give a shit. Like, Mm. it's just common. They're like, just as long as you don't film me. I don't care. But then there's always that one Karen out there just going, yeah, have you spoken to the council? Oh, that's so true. And then they get on the blower to them yeah. and they're like, there's some children in the park. They've children? Got... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still a kid. Yeah. Look, look we, you know, you may be in your 20s. I'm in my 30s. Like, yeah. let's say yeah, we're still we're babies, children. We're babies. We're babies. <laughs> we have so much to learn. I know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, think, I think that's my biggest gripe as being a producer is the red tape like it's always a constant battle um yeah and some producers really really like they will not budge on the rules you know yeah and i think like what's interesting about me and my partner josh who like what's interesting about us fuck what a self-involved <laughs> thing to say what's so good about what's us so amazing like different and unique about us is <laughs> um no but because we've got no experience because we've both only yeah. been actors we kind of just blew in and we're like yeah yeah i mean our first film for example right it's set in the desert it's got like six horses in it it's got like 300 sheep um dogs a kid all the cooked stuff that you're not supposed to use, especially in your first film. Yeah. But we were like, this will be easy, man. And then we just like got all these people out there and it was eh. It was crazy. Like it was hot. People were like almost going to faint. It was fucked. <laughs> but we got it done because I think we had no idea, you know? Yeah. And we were like, ah, screw the rules. Yeah. So I think there's like pros and cons to both, you know? <laughs> you did one film, it came out good, and you were just like, oh, yeah, shit, Yeah, we were like, well. wow, we are geniuses. <laughs> I mean, like, that's a learning, that's a fast way to learn is, like, to trial by fire. <laughs> yes, yes, um, it was literally fire. Yeah, because I feel like heat wave in particular and mm. the safety, like animal control, children control, people yeah. control, like heat. You know, you were really fighting the elements. We were going going for it. And also, like, animals don't do what you tell them no, to they do because they don't, like, know English. No, they don't know themselves. They just so, inhabit yeah, the planet with they're us. They're just doing their thing, which was weird because we'd be like, okay, I'll go over there now. And the horse would be like, nah. Yeah, it would just stand there just waiting. And yeah, yeah. But it was actually amazing. Horses are so smart. They yeah. are so crazy smart that eventually the horse would actually, like, start doing the performance like it realized that it was doing the same routine over and over again like it was going to this edge of water and like playing in the water and it actually started performing which was fucking incredible to watch horses are so cool yeah i'm a horse girl now (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, it is interesting because they're one of the, I think, uh, other than dogs particularly, are one of the most easy animals to train. And and same with Avery birds, like owls and stuff. You are just, they? Yeah, birds aren't too difficult to train as long as they've got, like, a, an True, idea of where they're path. They do thing where they, like, make them come to the arm with yeah. the little glove on it. Yeah, so they have to have a path. Like, it's like tunnel vision. You're basically training them to go from dot to dot and then... Are you a bird guy? Like, how um, do you know about this? It's a lot of Harry Potter documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a lot better than that. <laughs> that is the nerdiest response, I and I love it. And I also love Harry Potter. So. Look, I, 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 <laughs> I think that's the only way you can learn stuff is by watching behind-the-scenes stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 I think I've worked with children before. I've worked with children twice now, mm-hmm. um, and that was both times really fun, but also hell. Like, because I once – I I – Remember at the time, it. I've got my working with children's check, which is five year warranty. <laughs> he, he has to say that to make sure if anyone's listening, yeah, yeah, don't he's worry. worked with children and do not worry. Uh, do not worry. <laughs> I have not. I'm not illegal. Um, and uh, yeah, it was so funny because we had to ask uh, due, due to the charity that we were working with, they specifically asked everyone to get a police check, like the, the safety check, and um. My wonderful uh, gaffer at the time emailed us, um, and we didn't know him that well at the time. He's lovely, and uh, um, Alan Fraser, he's uh, did an amazing job. But I remember he asked it. He was like, "Oh, is the um, are you guys gonna pay for the like obviously the work health safety check?" And we were like, "No, we can't because it covers you for five years, so that would be a waste of our money." But by by the request of the charity, you have to get it. And he was surprised. And it was the first time I ever th- heard of someone surprised that they couldn't get, like, they had to. Because he was like, I don't work with the children. And I was like, yeah, unfortunately, we have mm. to. And I, d- I did some research. I think there is a, you know, I don't think he's wrong. I think there is a little bit of legal tape where you, you know, depending on what role you have. But it No, is, yeah, there is. Uh, yeah. If you're not, like, directly working with the with child, child, you don't have to Which to is nuts it. to me because then... It does it, seem a little crazy, yeah. It's like if you're on... I mean, I would think it's common sense to just get one. <laughs> well, yeah, you, I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, what's stopping you, yeah, you know? <laughs> like, if you're not getting one, like, what did you do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you it's know? like... I think it's like um, 100 bucks for five years Literally, or something. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's free if you're volunteering. Yeah. So if you're not getting paid... It's free. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and it has a nice little V next to it if it's if a volunteer. And then if you paid, I think it has another letter and it's just, you know. Oh, it does it? Yeah, I, it does. It oh, has a clear oh, indication. it has a clear indication. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it makes sure you know so, uh, you're not getting paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure you know that you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Go work at your casual job. <laughs> no, no one actually sucks if you're not being paid. That's not. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're doing hard work. Um, Am I getting paid for this? Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, suck shit. <laughs> that was a joke. I, oh. um, but no, I, th- I think I didn't realize that at the time. And it is kind of nuts now because, you know, I just see all these sort of like and i think it's come out of the me too movement and then the child safety you know like especially with american you know american child safety laws everything mm-hmm. like school shootings and stuff uh, you know which is nuts over there but i think feel like in australia that should be a common legality in the film industry just to work on any film with children you have to have this by like and it's it's cheap it's it's yeah. really cheap so I think, you know, but it's one of those things that I think going forward, it's something that I, I just will try and implement if I ever run a set. It's just like, and it has children. It's just like, sorry, everyone, please get one because yeah. by requirements, I just don't feel safe. I mean, like, I understand, yeah, if, yeah. you know, one you have one day here and there, but I'm like, if you, you're with us for the whole shoot, then please get one because it's yeah. like completely separate. Well, we separate. ended up just doing that. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, everybody was volunteering. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, that's good. So it was free and like may as well. That yeah, was just became part of the paperwork. 
Yeah, because it's like, what's the what's the weirdest thing you've had to kind of like request of people? Uh, <laughs> Put you on the spot there. <laughs> That's really I don't I guess like going going into the water with a horse and a camera and like trying to get footage of a child and a horse splashing and frolicking in the water together. Like <laughs> that was, everyone was fucking keen to be there, but that was like absurd to be a part of. Like, it was like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are we shooting? Luckily it was so hot. So like, it was like, yay, thank God. But I felt so um, bad for the camera uh, DOP Luca, who was just like wading with these pants on, like in water, just like getting all wet and holding this camera. But anyway, he's fucking amazing cinematographer. So yeah, he did a beautiful job. Um, yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, gosh, I, I don't, yeah, I feel like I've been asked to do more weird things than asking people to do. Weird really, things. what's the weirdest things you've been asked to do? I mean, one thing, like I was asked to like stand on a cliff and pretend that I'd fallen off the cliff. But I was like actually on the cliff and it had like a small, <laughs> it had like a small ledge and it was like, okay, now like just like climb on this cliff. And I was like, right, like if I fall off, I'll die. Like yeah. I would have died. Yeah. And then they're like, now just quickly take your hands away and just like pretend you've fallen, but don't actually fall. And I was like, yeah, cause I'll die. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty hectic. And in hindsight, I wouldn't do that again. I was young <laughs> and I was eager. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, that was weird. That sounds like so many HR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Needless to say, they didn't have working with children <laughs> no. on their set. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, because you were a performer first and foremost. So I guess, like, you know, and you started in the industry. How old were you start when you started in the industry? Um, I mean, like... I don't know, even know how to answer that. I mean, like, I wanted to be an actor since I was like five. Yeah, it was my straightaway thing. I I performed under Milkwood. Oh by Dylan yeah, Thomas yeah, yeah. As like a six year old, which if you know that work, it's so inappropriate. <laughs> but I love that my mum was like, "Woohoo, go girl! <laughs> <laughs> this suits you." Um. <laughs> anyway, I loved doing that, and then I went to Newtown High, yeah. which is like performing arts and. Did that there and I like begged my mum to let me drop out of school so that she could fly me to LA and make me a famous, but she didn't. She told me to finish my education and I still resent her for that slightly, but you know what? <laughs> At least she loves me. Another person I know did drop out of Newtown and got famous, so yeah, that's some regrets. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I just like left high school and then went to acting school and I guess like been in the industry ever since. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's hard with the Australian industry too because it's so small and like so much of it is independent. So you feel this yeah. like guilt that like you can't really say that you're in it if you're not like in it, in it, you know? Yeah. I. <sighs> yeah. So that's weird. But, you know, I've gotten a few things now and I'm like, yes, I can finally say that I'm an actor and I'm not lying because I've been paid, bitch. Look at my wallet. <laughs> I know. It's not free. I'm not a laborist yeah. anymore. <laughs> it's not my hobby. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the first time I ever got paid for anything that was like not like my full time job. And I was like, <gasps> I know. Yes. It's Look a at good this. Feeling. It's a good feeling. <laughs> I'm a legit. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a legit. <laughs> um, but but I mean, like, yeah, I, I I agree with you about the imposter syndrome because, you know, 
like what makes me, you know, what gives me the authority mm. as a 30-year-old who has had, you know, some experience to tell other people of how much experience they should have by at any point. Mm. I think that our industry is particularly bizarre in that aspect because there is no right or wrong way to go about it. There's mm. just a way. Like, I feel like I didn't, I, I, I thank COVID actually for helping boost my career which I think before COVID I was saying to someone, I didn't have much of a career. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was really just kind of there and I was doing my full-time work and the outside was just pittering. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like occasionally. And if I wasn't making something myself, and you know, then I had nothing to prove that I was worth the, you know, the, um, you know, efforts of other people. So whereas yeah. now it's completely the opposite. <laughs> it's just gone, oh, everyone kind of wants to do something with you rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, well, it's... that's so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but did like, do you feel like that now? You're, you know, you're kind of just very busy, um, doing doing the stuff that you wanted to do for years versus like stuff that you kind of just felt like you were, kind of, jumping from opportunity to opportunity to opportunity. Um, I don't know. I'd say like a bit of both. Like, you know, I'm not like. Yeah, it's not like I'm like full time employed on a TV show or whatever, which is I what mean, I would I mean, love to do. Yeah. Um, but I feel I just feel like yeah, I've done more, and it's just kind of like chugging along, and it just feels like more of a. It feels like I I was having severe existential crisis about the fact that I should probably just quit and go to law school because I would never be able to financially um sustain this life, yeah. and then <laughs> that's sort of change now and I kind of see how like you can make it work yeah but it's tough like fuck you know like it, it's so inconsistent you can literally be like doing a tv show one day and then the next day you're working at cafes like I have friends that do that mm. so it's a constant like up down up down and I feel like you always will have to struggle with the, you know balance with the casual job or in an ideal world you get a casual job that's like in your field of interest yeah um I would like to get more into like production. I did some, I was a runner on The Voice. Actually, <gasps> I was the coach's personal runner. Ooh. So I was hanging out with those guys. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that was like a fun job because it yeah. felt like I wasn't like, oh, damn. It was really interesting to see. And like, yeah. you know, I was involved with like, I guess like like minded people. And because it was in reality TV as opposed to film. I didn't feel like I was the shit runner that no one will ever take seriously because, like, I don't want to work with the voice director. Yeah. I mean, unless they're writing a great film and then I would love to work with you. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the voice director is writing a I great film. I don't even film. know if there is a director. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think there is. I think it's just kind of like... Yeah, um, there probably would be, actually. Yeah, there, it would be like... I With live things, it's it's not... Like, it's such a weird thing because I've, I've worked a lot in live television and it's not like a director per se. It's like a vision switcher slash director uh, slash... Yes, yes. You're controlling. But realistically, the... EPs and the creative content and you're lining up for the brand. So realistically, mm-hmm. that's who actually controls the content and how the mm-hmm. work show flows. Mm-hmm. The director is there just to, you know, help guide all the technical stuff, really. Uh, yes. um, like the lights and everything. It's really not like they're not sitting there or going, mm, so line B should be this. No, and, no. Uh, I thought it was going to be like that, but like that show is like fully real. Yeah. It's like fully reality TV. I was so impressed. Mm, it's big. 
it's fully like it's real like what mm. you see is like actually what happens which okay. was crazy <laughs> i mean it is one of the most real live reality like they don't it's 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 one it's continuous as well it doesn't really stop start like most reality shows where yeah there's a they little bit of work break. so hard it goes for so long it's like fucking hard work anyway. yeah how, why did we start talking about that? <laughs> I, I don't know. You asked me something about my career and I was like, oh, God, I don't know how to answer that. Yes. But yes, anyway, career, it's hard. I guess like to be a real wanker about it, mm-hmm. you're either like an artist or you're not. And if you're like an artist, like, fuck, yeah, like you're an artist. And that doesn't matter if you work at a bar. You can still be an artist and work at a bar, you know? Yeah, I like hmm. that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, don't stop being a true artist. I mean, like... So let's let's take you back to though, like you know, starting out in the industry and everything. Like, do you think that was particularly beca- um, difficult for you um, starting out in this industry, in especially in performing? Um, I feel like I've never really struggled with like the actual performing, but when I left acting school, I was so insecure and like acting school. You know, it it's amazing, but it can certainly highlight some insecurities. Um, So I left that pretty fragile. And I think the hardest thing is like the, um, the networking and just like the, the dealing with the industry, like being an adult, you know, I I kind of was like, okay, I'll just like pop along to some auditions and it'll be awesome. And it's like, no, no, this is like a full blown adult world. You have to like, you know, be really like in it but also be really free and playful and like be able to just perform all the time. You know what I mean? Like it's a weird, like yeah. you have the three personas, you know, you've got your like private persona, your actor persona, and then you've got like your business persona and you kind of have to juggle that, which took me a long time to learn. Yeah. I'd say my first two years out of acting school were a bit of a mess. I was like, what the fuck is happening? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> but I did a lot of plays and that was good. I mm. mean, I would say predominantly I'm more of a theater um, performer. I don't necessarily want to be, but mm. I would say that was mostly my thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's hard. Yeah. It's also a small industry in Australia and globally. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's not like there's a million jobs coming out. Like, there are a million actors who are talented and there's, like, not that much work. Yeah. So, I, like, do you, do you feel like, you, you know, especially as a female performer, do you feel like you were ever kind of exploited um, in any way? Um... <laughs> I have had a a, a a a very bad experience in regards to that, but I I would I, I wouldn't really know how to talk about that without defaming myself. Oh, defaming <laughs> yourself, or yeah. whatever the word is. Do you, do you but mean, yes, I I have. That's had really <laughs> ominous. I've had some. Uh, yeah. Was that uh, just particularly one one situation? One particular situation, which was very unfortunate and um, makes me very cross. Oh. Um, but otherwise, like, no, not really. I mean, like, sexism is just, like, a general thing in one's life. Yeah. That one just always has <laughs> as, a, as a thing. Which is bizarre. <laughs> you know? So it's kind of weird to highlight it in acting. Like, obviously, it's there more. I think certainly it's changed, like, in my time. Mm-hmm. I think, you know... When I was at acting school, like some shit was being said that definitely wouldn't be able to be said now. Yeah. Um, but I think everybody's improving a lot on that front. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a hard question. I mean, yeah. like, obviously yes, but also it just yeah. that just feels so obvious. Like I wouldn't know how to articulate the ways in which. No, I and I totally get that, and I um totally respect that. I think um, especially just in in terms of you know because it, it's you know we live in we live in this such progressive time, especially with like movements like Me Too, which only came out in the last two years, and then cancel culture has kind of like taken a big step forward. Um, you know, and probably not like I often say, not in the positive light. I feel like those two movements kind of happened to create some positives and a lot of negatives. It's like um, feminism. I think is you know the feminist movement, great movement, created a lot of like um, wrong turns along the way as well. And then there's just you know the the I feel like it, it's the same problem I have with like male movements. Everything are just being about like this. Um, perspective of ignoring the other party and it's like we've got to find a mid-ground we've always got to find and i feel like when we had the cancel culture movement as particularly um everyone was going nah but you can't say anything without like the internet ripping you to shreds and the same with the me too movement i think there was like um there was an interview with morgan like um morgan freeman had said something or like hadn't said something but someone was trying to defame him and say you know you touch someone inappropriately and was like there is no evidence to this and don't you know unless you actually have evidence mm. don't try and defame someone because- i guess this is why it's difficult though because like you know it's actually like hard to get evidence of that yeah. right so it's like you gotta have witnesses and everything. what 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 else do you do i think that's why these movements have come about because there isn't like any like hardcore evidence because of the culture that we've yeah. been living in it took for people to go, you know what, fuck this, I've had enough, and, like, I'm just going to rally behind believing this person. Yeah. And being like, if you said that happened, it happened, man, and we're just all going to, like, go with you on that. Which, yeah. of course, you know, and in, like, a super philosophical, idealistic world, you don't just believe someone because you agree with them politically, sure. But I yeah. feel like it's, like, a natural, it's, like, a necessary progression to get to, you know, a place where, people are more equal and like that shit stuff doesn't happen and it's got yeah. more of a no-no like people should be afraid to do things now because it's fucked up yeah and i and i really notice it as a generational thing as well like you know particularly you know it, and it can be a small generational gap but you know things like um you know uh, i remember that f- film um that sia did prime example oh yeah dude that was cooked what was she thinking but some people i've met i know personally don't see the issue with that but it was so bad you can't even justify it by being good like one it was problematic two it was shit like (laughs) i love that like fuck you know like if it was really like wow that was a stunning piece of art you could be like "Mm, okay mm, i'll let you off the hook with this one yeah yeah (laughs) But the combo is like, no, nah, I'm sorry, unforgivable. I know, and it and it's like, I I just really tainted me. <laughs> Fuck her. Um, but <laughs> I mean, great musician. Oh, great musician. Never, but but love her songs. We'll love her songs, but always. please never direct again, like ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was not a choice you should have ever made, and or justified. <laughs> have you ever listened to um, Josh Epps? That I feel like you would like him. Yeah, it rings a bell. He's an ABC guy, and he's like. 
he in, he does a great interview with Stan 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 Grant <laughs> Stan Grant. Grant. That's why I did it because Grant, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's like you Grant, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you've got to make Stan Grant. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, he does like really good interviews with people, and he's like very left wing, but he always comes at it from a place of like truth. And, yeah. like, I guess, like, really good faith arguing. Yeah. So arguing with people, knowing that you still respect each other and you're going to be able to, like, discuss ideas without getting, um, you know, overly emotional about it, I yeah, guess, yeah. or putting a foot wrong, like, no one's going to get in trouble for whatever yeah. they say here. So it's an interesting pod. I feel like you would enjoy it. Okay, I should check it out because that sounds right up my alley. It, I feel like, yes, from hearing what you've said, I feel like you would you Look, would I am it. very politically charged <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. a good way. But, I mean, like, I, look, I am always up for more listening listening to my earbuds. Um, but, I mean, like, you know, I, I agree with that. Like, there's always a there's always a mid-ground. I think it's important to remind myself of that and, and people especially that, you know, Everyone has a reason, you know, like people who are in their 70s think that, you know, blackface or something was justifiable and still think that's okay to do day. And, you know, you're not going to be like, well, you know, I feel like calling everyone an archaic dinosaur is not the best response as well. It's kind of like, okay, well, while you think that that's okay, it's not okay. And that doesn't make you a dinosaur. It just kind of that opinion isn't what people think now. And you can't then call people sensitive or too sensitive because they don't like that. There's Mm. kind of like both parties need to find that mid ground to kind of just be like, okay, well, you know what? Shut up. But I I mean, like there is also the same thing, you know, like, um, you know, domestic violence and, um, you know, sexual abuse or anything like that. And especially like, you know, culture towards women on set or anyone, you know, like, um, God, hell, the queer community, like, there's just, like, this whole, um, you know, like, anything on set, whether, you know, um, you encounter any of that on set, it, it it's funny how people don't find always the mid-ground, and they, or they try and justify situations, like, it wasn't that long ago in, in our own political government when they tried to cover up, a, like, sexual assault in the government by sweeping well, yeah, and vacuuming. Well, yeah, that was literally the fucking other day. Yeah, it was like and vacuuming. And it's probably still happening, to yeah. be honest. Like, Christ, that was appalling. Yeah. Also, oh, my God, on that, have you seen <laughs> the video of Scott Morrison that came out today? Oh, what, the one where he's at the church going? Yeah, being the- like... <laughs> And of course, we all don't believe in the United Nations. And then the whole audience is like, yeah, the fucking United Nations won't lose it. What a joke. <laughs> what, guys? I know. He was the prime minister. Like, that's wild. I know. He's... He literally said, I don't believe in governments. You know, they're shit. And like, they don't work. And like, trust me, I've been in one. <gasps> like, that guy was in charge. Yeah. That's so funny. And also so, so. But, you know, this this is the thing. Like, scary. when um we had Trump, we had Scott Morrison, and we had Boris Johnson, and now I we know. have none of them. So God, they're out. <laughs> Bye. Um, and, I mean, like, you know, it's it's funny because the biggest criticism we get at the moment, which is, like, you know, um, that I hear some people go, oh, um, Anthony Albanese is in Australia come, um, enough. But I'm like, he's fixing half the world's problems at the Wait, moment. he's not what? He's not in Australia uh, nearly oh, enough. Oh, I thought you and said was... he's not Australian enough. No, he and is. I was like, oh, oh, wow. Okay, we're really going in. The... I think we're going to have to terminate here. Um... <laughs> no, definitely not saying that at all. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
<laughs> that would have been chaotic. Anyway, yes, um, that would have been not. a very interesting conversation. Uh, I, I wouldn't have known what to do. I would have been like, oh, God, Meg, you made a terrible decision. <laughs> Quickly throw the water on the podcast uh, machine. Go, go, go. Run, run, run. 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 Distract him. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, he, he, like, the biggest criticism I heard recently of the current government with Anthony Albanese was he was not in the country mm, long he enough. He is away a lot. He is away a lot. And, and currently he is fixing everything Morrison undid. Well, yeah, exactly. Because we have so many international political issues. Um, and to put trust in other countries and, and create trading better. Like, it's, you know, th- we are a country that is unfortunately an island. We cannot be independent of anything else. Mm. We are an island on the other side of the world where there aren't that many, like, it, you know, the biggest continents are in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm. And then we have small, tiny continents in in the Southern ones. So we are like a small country. And I feel like when people... Look at that from a global perspective. That's you know he's doing the right thing, but I think I'm not saying everyone in Australia is very narrow-minded, but we do live in a very like liberal orientated country in parts, and I feel like as in liberal thinking or, or liberal, liberal government, get liberal government, like bad liberal or good liberal. <laughs> The bad liberal. I love that there's a dwell. Isn't that the stupidest thing of the like how we describe? Are you a liberal thinker? Yes. Are you with the liberal government? No. Then why are you a liberal? Why did they name? Why? That's honestly plagued me. It's so confusing when you're speaking to people from overseas and you're like, you know, the liberals, and they're like, great, and you're like, no, bad, bad. But yeah. anyway, oh god, damn it. And also, like, you know, I mean, I think they're bad, but whatever. I I think they're terrible. <laughs> I it's it's like I've always said, don't you know. And and it's you know the the rule one one when you're at any workplace don't bring politics in with you don't bring you know um your your bad energy with you like if you've had a bad day chat to your friends about it and chat to your coworkers but don't bring your whole negative energy in you know try and compartmentalize and make sure you're not bringing everyone else down mm. but i wo- i've worked many years with people going nah the, the liberal um the liberal government's great and labor's shit and i'm like sitting there as a green or labor voter and being like <gasps> yeah <sighs> i think that's a very australian thing to be like don't never discuss politics yeah. you know it's a very sort of like it's a very um sort of it's a conservative thing to say, I guess. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of what is good about the times of now. Is that, <laughs> well, is it was that, very philosophical. <laughs> the times of now. Is that everybody is discussing politics, you know, more and yeah. uh, more uncomfortably. And I think that's really cool and important. Because also, you know, your politics don't have to define your whole personality. No. And Often it, they do, <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have to. No, and I and I feel like it's interesting because, like, you know, I sat down with Emily the other day, and and she raised this with me, and it's like when I'm on set, and and sometimes to negate politics, like if someone's an asshole, I'll say don't be an asshole. Like that's my rule one hundred one. But if someone's just has an opinion about something, I'm gonna try and just be like, you know what just going to try and skirt around this because that is, you know, unless they're like, oh, I hate, you know, an ethnic group or something and be like, okay, well, you're an awful human being or, Mm. you know, 
um, I think, you know, um, violence is funny. Like, nah, get the fuck away. <laughs> you know, just go away. Um, but, you know, like anything like that. But I feel like w- in terms of people's just having opinions about stuff that I don't necessarily agree with and I'm like, okay, well, I, you know, either disagree or just strongly disagree. I'm also going to be like, okay, well, what's the most diplomatic way to not kind of start an argument or what's the most diplomatic way i can change your mind yeah it's not by like necessarily yelling at you it's about having a conversation with you but i think you have like certain people have limits to how much they can withstand and should be able to withstand like if there's some guy being really sexist, like TBH, like I CBF with you and I'm not. Oh my God, I sound like a teenage girl. TBH, I CBF with you and I'm not fucking talking to you about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> but re- you know, it's exhausting. Like I don't want to have another conversation yeah. with a misogynist about why they're being a misogynist and it makes you feel uncomfortable and you always just feel like the dumb girl in the room. Yeah. Hence me saying TBH, you know. Yeah. TBH. TBH, you're being sexist. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, you know, I 100% agree with that. And I think it's kind of reconvincing. I mean, like, there are some people I could never convince otherwise because, it, you know, it's so deeply ingrained in their, like, essence that you're like, okay, only if I strapped you down and did, like, the, um, you know, clockwork orange kind of situation and showed you (laughs) flashing images would I be able to get you out of this state of mind, but... (laughs) Like, hey, do you want to know a secret? Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's not a secret. So I've never seen Clockwork Orange. Really? Or read the book. Oh. But I fully say I have when people ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is so interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like. I'm too scared. It sounds really scary. It's 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 intense. It, yeah. it's It's. I feel like it's more intense, especially for people who have ever been in like those kind of situations. Like, mm-hmm. um, I definitely know that, um, when I watch films with Emily, she doesn't like anything in terms of like the domestic violence against women or anything like mm. that, unless it's like actually just the aftermath or something's happened and you kind of see the ripple effects, but she does not like watching, you know, like we sit there sometimes and she goes, why are always the women, the one in danger? Like, why is this always happening? Oh, so boring. And, I, you know, sit there and just go, this, you know, I feel sorry for you. But at the same time, I've never had that perspective where I can't walk down the street and feel safe. Um, And, you know, obviously she has had that her entire life where it's like, you know, walk down the street and, you know, hope that someone doesn't kidnap her or throw her in a car. And, you Mm. know. This is a difficult thing about politics because you really can't understand what someone else goes through who isn't like you. So you can have an opinion about, what should happen or how they should talk about it or, you know, what should change politically or how much they should be screaming or not. But really, like, you will never be able to know that. So it's kind of like, oh, like, maybe don't. Yeah. Maybe, like, that's not your moment. (laughs) Yeah. But also, like, I don't know. This is too complex. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, and done. Uh, I'm being political, as I said earlier. (laughs) No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with the move on. (laughs) (laughs) I am Anthony Albanese. (laughs) Um, But no, I I do agree that you cannot. And I I feel like that's the... But you can try. You You can can try try and empathize. And when someone is telling... This is the comes back to the believing someone yeah when someone tells you something and you trust them as a person you know believe them like it's so annoying I, I do find like a lot of times as a woman I'll say things and you really have to prove that you're actually 
have been oppressed because of your gender. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to like prove it. And it's like, dude, oh, it's so frustrating. Like, it's like, dude, just believe me. Yeah. Just believe me. It's it's kind of also very baffling because I feel like it it happens sort of um, subjectively as well because, you know, we, we walk in this society where it's like, okay, well, women automatically have to have long hair. Do they, you know, oh, if they have short hair, they must be gay. Are they? <laughs> of like, course. Yeah, that's, of course. That's it's, the rule. It's just the societal rule. You don't know that? No, I, 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 I signed this thing at birth. I couldn't even spell that's my right. own name, but that's kind of like I that's signed right. the society rules. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it makes things simpler. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, I think, you know, most of my friends as well, I would describe as very like, you know, just... I, 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 until, uh, you know, most of my female friends I grew up with, I had a lot of female friends growing up. I had about, in fact, I had only one male friend, probably in my entire group. It was just me, him, and the rest were girls. So it was like, I grew up in that surrounding. So whenever I see people go, oh, the girls don't act the way I, it's like, what way should you act? Mm. What way should anyone act? But I feel like we have this really society. It's like when I stand next to people and they talk to me about cars or sport and I have no interest, I'm sorry. I fucking hate both those things. (laughs) But they're like, oh, why don't you like these things? And I'm like, because they're not that interesting to me, but they find it baffling that that is not a interest and it's like why should it be like um but yeah it's mm. we are so ingrained in our structure and society like you know you could be like oh um you know i i decided to wear you know like baggy t-shirt and je- um, jeans today but everyone was like oh i should wear a dress and it's like why mm. why like mm. do you feel like that even now in your mid-20s where you kind of like people still kind of you can look at you and go, oh, you should dress differently. Or do you get those throwaway comments? I mean, I feel like it's just not as overt as that. Hey, like yeah. not really. But then again, my circles are pretty, like I live in a bit of a bubble. Like my parents, both artists. Yeah. grew up in like a very artistic left leaning household. It's a very unstable house. That is. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> um, and like I went to Newtown High. Yeah. Um, I met my first racist in Queensland and that was like a big experience for me. I was like wow. fully shocked that people said what they said, which is kind of stupid. But I did kind of grow up in a little bubble. Yeah. I guess I hadn't really thought about it before. So that really opened my mind. Um, and now I just hang out with like artists. So I guess like nothing's as overt as that. It's much more yeah. like intricate and complicated and yeah, like I don't, I, I mostly wear baggy clothes. Yeah. I, I think no one really has ever commented on that. That's <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think I've only ever hung out with artists and I remember like, um, I, I had this thing, I painted my nails, like the first time I ever painted my nails and I got very terrified the first time because I went to a gym, which was particularly very like macho man, male orientated. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, dear God, I'm going to get ripped to shreds. So I kind of at the time, and I regret it entirely now. Well, fully, like, that actually could happen. That, like, would yeah, happen. I know. It's nuts. But, I mean, like, uh, you know, I remember going to the the gym and just like, nah, my flatmate did it. And, you know, and she, you know, she helped me, but it was like one of those things where it was like, oh, no, nah, she dared me to do it just to get oh, around yeah, yeah. the fact that I was like, I kind of, <laughs> I wanted this and I didn't mind. But, yeah, that was so interesting that I feel like, you know, until now it's and even at work 
man, you know, like some days at work, you just got to like, I work predominantly with very white straight men who have very particular (laughs) ways Mm -hmm. of living. I am not that. And I feel like that's my biggest hurdle is, you know, just going to society. This is representation of um, as straight as I can go and as not you know, any type of queer or, you know, artsy and just be very neutral. But I guess it in that saying, it's not my true self. Like, you know, there's always like, as you say, your real self, your um, self. self and your like business self. And yeah. it's just like, how do you... Well, I think also like humans, we're, we're really like want to fit into a group of people. So yeah. naturally, like when we're in a room full of people all agreeing on something, our, we, we don't want to be the, you know one that's left out and it's really hard to be that person yeah i don't know many people like that i know like i can literally think of two people off the top of my head who actually just like won't change their mind or change what they say when they're in a group of people who think differently wow but most people like i mean that's terrible i shouldn't like (laughs) all my friends are literally iconic but i feel like everybody to a small degree it's not like they'll be like Hey, like we hate women, and then you know my male <laughs> friend will be like, "Yeah, me too, dude." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, some <laughs> that would have been an amazing segue. <laughs> all my friends are like that. <laughs> no, they would all be like, "No, that's fucked." Yeah, but I don't. I, I mean, that's way too specific. You know what I'm trying to I say? I know what you're. It's trying hard to-, to be really like constantly, entirely yourself all the time, yeah. unapologetically, never bending to like make other people feel more comfortable because that is what empathy is, right? Like you're always trying to make, I mean, I feel like I'm always trying to make other people feel like, oh, it's all good. Like this is all good. Like we agree. (laughs) And then I get frustrated and then I I just like give up and end up giving people dirty looks by accident. (laughs) I have the resting bitch face curse. It's tough. I've, you know what though? I think of out of all the times we've ever spoken or anything, you've never given me the once resting bitch face. Really? Never. That is iconic. No one's ever said that. Every time I talk to people, they say, you know, when I first met you, I thought you were a bitch because you've got this terrible resting bitch face. I think it was because the first time we ever spoke. Must be really working on it. Yeah. (laughs) It was like the first time we ever had a conversation, I think it was on the phone. And we chatted for about half an hour, 40 minutes about like the good and bad elements of the industry. And then the second time we ever um, met was like at the cafe. So it was one of those situations and you were going through a terrible breakup. So, you know, it's one of those cycle effects. <laughs> your bitching face was entirely, I just ignored probably. And that's why I got your... It was replaced by my sad face. <laughs> yes. It was on a, like a work break. It needed a little rest. And, and, and Yeah, and, yeah. It was just sad. <laughs> but I mean, like, absolutely. I don't, I, I think... I also like that you know you are um, you're you're such a genuine soul as well you know oh, which thanks. <laughs> you're like you hate compliments don't you? <laughs> you're like you know what to be honest like I don't even I I'm now I'm blushing <laughs> you are you're like I don't know what to do with this stuff I don't love a compliment I also don't really like talking about myself which is like I think I've come across as a real wanker in this I love because I'm trying to like be better at talking about myself. Like, I can to, like, my friends. Yeah. But, but this it's so is like- <laughs> awkward to be like, yeah, my career, you know? Like, yeah, I know. Who do I think I am? I mean, I'm like- just a rando. <laughs> <laughs> Famous rando. I am. Um, but, but, but I anyway. mean, like, <laughs> I mean, now that you've sort of, like, you know, 
going into the fame and fortune and everything. I'm not at all. <laughs> but no, but I mean, like, do you still kind of consider, like, where do you sit on the borderline of just like, you know, because as a performer and as, especially as a creator, you know, there's always that walking fine line of who do you pay, who do you not pay? Are you going to get paid as an actor or are you not going to get paid for this role? Like, that is the hardest thing. You've got to weigh up your options of whether the project is something you believe in yeah. or, and sacrifice yeah. your, like, your time and energy yeah. or it's completely yeah. to the wayside and you actually just don't think it's worth anything uh, like and drop it yeah. like that. How, how do you deal with that even today? I think, like, I used to just say yes to everything all the time <laughs> because I think that's yeah. a great way to start, to be yeah. honest. Um. I just used to say yes, 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 because I was so hungry and, like, I just wanted to meet people and I've met some amazing people from doing that, you know, mm. so that was a good choice. Um, But now I think just for my own self-worth, like, I won't do anything for free because, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, you know, Depen- unless it was, like, fucking incredible yeah. and I thought, like, this could be really good for me, like, this could really, like, yeah. help my career and, like, this is amazing and I really respect this person. Or if it was, like, a friend, you know, if a friend wanted me to be in their short film, like, of course. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I feel like even if it's just, like, a small sum, like, even if it's just a 100 bucks, you know, or, like, profit share, like, yeah. that's just, that just, like, has to be my boundary now. Otherwise, you just feel shitty i guess and like my time is w- worth something <laughs> it is <laughs> i know who am i why am i saying this <laughs> you're like imposter syndrome I'm like, i've literally like learned that script in the mirror to myself i mean like you're worth it girl <laughs> yeah. you're fucking worth it even a hundred bucks you're worth a hundred bucks <laughs> i really i feel like I d- but d- you know i think that's <laughs> true i think that's a fair thing to say I what ag- do you think about that i i 100 agree and i think that <laughs> It's it's only come out of just uh, probably this year, or it's like before this year. I used to be like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll help people, mm. and I think it's because that eagerness. Because I know a lot of artists who don't, um, you know, not everyone has the budget, and not everyone like, and I do a lot of bits and bobs. Well, yeah, totally. It's like I've made films for people, and they work for free. You know, like whoa, like I'm not yeah. saying that I'm like better than them or anything like that at all. Yeah, like I just think. You know, you you have you have to have a relationship with yourself. You, it's more about my yeah. relationship with me and going like, okay, if you're gonna keep beating yourself up for not being a real actor, you need to like change something in that so yeah. you feel more fucking legitimate. Yeah, you know? I think it's also like, um, I've I've got like a couple of like photo shoots, but after this year, it's everything. If you want a photos charged because i'm just at that point where i'm like i could just earn money from this like if you want oh like headshots yeah headshots and Dude, stuff you like, can I, earn big bank, money from bank, bank bank mm. bank very happy bank um yeah mm. capitalism like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel on capitalism <laughs> oh, christ how long have we been talking about I, <laughs> shit man it's been like two hours i can't do capitalism now no no i'll give you my brief i'll give you my brief rap on capitalism i i mean like you <laughs> i will literally rap for you oh please about do. Cap- no, no no i'm not doing that but i, I mean like, like capitalism is so cooked it <laughs> we haven't found a better solution yet. No. We need to try because it fucking sucks. 
I, I, I agree with that. I think it also just doesn't align with art, which is entirely based on, I think... Or social, like, equality. Yeah. Social equity. No. And I think it's know? also, like, uh, you know, we've only recently fallen into this time, which is, like, we had a liberal government for so long that didn't support the arts, <clears throat> especially during COVID, especially during those high, like points and then you know there's artists like you and me trying to make stuff talk about it you know get it out there and then suddenly it's just like oh yeah you're gonna make you know and and making films are fucking expensive Uh, yeah they're bazillions so expensive yeah it's it's nuts these days you know i remember um you know i've i've never met anyone ever ever who's made anything and not spent some money on a film yeah like it's impossible um i mean What what with the with the farm one? What was like the biggest kind of scary, you know, like stress in terms of financial or or, or well, money time? We got sponsored. Oh, that's by good. Blundstone Boots. Ooh. By Blundstones, guys, they're so comfortable. I I they paid me to say that. <laughs> did they? No, they did. Well, I own some of this. Is it a profit share kind of situation? Yeah, I brought some free boots. For yeah, you. thank yeah. you. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, we got sponsored by Blundstone, so that was good, and that like covered. Uh, I think they gave us like eight thousand, yeah. so that covered like all the um. Everyone had to have accommodation and food because yeah. we were literally in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Um, and like travel, like petrol and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, and then we did a crowdfund and that covered like equipment, um, which is always so expensive. And then there's like insurance and then all the post fees. So I think at, in the end, we ended up like raising enough money to cover that film completely. Wow. And it was maybe like nearly 20K. And then the second film, um, we both are out of pocket in a big way. But we also got sponsored by Telstra for that one. Wow. So that Telstra. Good. Yeah, yeah. How did that one happen? Were they like, um, can you promote 5G <laughs> in your products? Wait till you see the film. <laughs> it's just 5G signs and Telstra and everyone's using a Telstra. The to... characters are 5G. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we had phones in the script already, so it just kind of was like a perfect partnership. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, we were like, well, we have phones, so like we can show the little Telstra icon at the top, I guess. But they didn't even make us do that. Uh, mm-hmm. How did we get that? Because we were working with a organization called Phoenix House, which is like a um, education service for uh, kids who are homeless, essentially. Oh, okay. So we partnered with them, mm. and we were like, hey, we would like to include you guys in this film. Like, we want to hear your opinion. We want to hear what you think. We want you to come on set if you want to and, like, help out. And, like, if you're interested in filmmaking, like, you can, like, work with the makeup artist or, like, you know, bring Mm. your skills. And then, like, we'll come to you and, like, talk to you about acting and filmmaking and show you some videos and stuff. Yeah. For free. Because, really, we just did that because we were, like, well, we're writing about DV and youth homelessness and, like, neither of us have had that experience. So, let's make it more you know, genuine, I guess. Yeah. And then it just became this amazing thing where it was like, holy fuck, this is amazing. Like, it's so interesting to meet these kids and, you know. Anyway, so then for some reason we told Telstra that and then they gave us some money. Wow. Which was really cool. Wow, that's really good. 
Yeah, it was. But then COVID happened in a big way, so that really stunted um, that involvement there. But the kids did come to set and we went to them and it was really it was really great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, it's annoying that you're out of pocket in, in some <laughs> regard of that film. But, it, I mean, like, it's, you know, there's no film that you're ever not going to make and some would be out of pocket. Well, also, it's hard with short films, right, because, like, you're never going to make money from them either. No. Like, they're not going to make money for you, you know? No, no. So um, they're just little, little droplets of passion put out into the world. They're what we call passion projects. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the, for us when we feel low and down. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like it, it's it's pretty incredible because I feel like most of the time, you know, like you've got Australian Cultural Fund, you've got Indie Indiegogo, you've got GoFundMe, like now mm, as platforms mm-hmm. as well. But reaching out to people, you know, and really kind of getting that, like, oh look, you know, because sponsorship's not something that people think of, especially when they make short films. No, it's not at all. I, yeah, yeah I don't know if like I know anyone who's done that. Mm. I just, my partner is like a crazy business brain guy. That's great. And he was like, dude, let's do this. We just emailed them. <laughs> and just gave them. The... I'm giving away my secrets. Wait, fuck, delete this. <laughs> dude, do just not a... email them. They will not respond. <laughs> they will just send you a do not respond. Meg Clark said no. <laughs> No, but really, guys, like, you should do it, those yeah. emails, because, like, we're all about helping each other. No, and I think, <laughs> and just email Meg, because you'll find her. Yeah, I'll help you. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you who to email. Yeah, here's my list of contacts. And they all said, don't give me the out, my contacts, but sure, I gave them out anyway. Uh, yes. But no, that's, it is interesting to know that, that that is possible for young artists, especially to, you know, get films made and it not be entirely in their pocket because, I, yeah. It, yeah, it's not an avenue people think of. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, this is what is fucked about capitalism, though, because it means that, like, everybody who wants to make a film who isn't being produced by a big studio or being paid to do yeah. it has to be rich. Mm. And, like, that's fucked, you know? Yeah. So that's why I think, yeah, companies should sponsor you because if they hadn't, like, to be honest, we wouldn't have been able to do it. Like, no. we didn't have the money. You know? Yeah. And <laughs> like, it was like, please or sorry, guys, it's not happening. Yeah. Like, we will work as hard as we can to get there, but, like, w- I, like I, I don't know what we would have done. Yeah. And, I mean, like, that's kind of, like, the crunch of most things is, you know, and, and it's, like, what COVID does, you know, especially put a hole in some projects which, you know, obviously put on stop and stuff, but you kind of reprioritize and you go, okay, mm. well, I can afford this or I wait for the investment and then uh, it can definitely happen. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's so unfair because there's so many people who are so talented and who yeah. would never be able to have the opportunity to make anything, Yeah, you know. It's a, it's so, a, yeah. It's basically, at the end of the day, capitalism sucks. and It does. You know, it does. It needs to be rejigged and it, reshaped. I have heard that conversation more and more this like past mm, month. Well, it's true. It's true. It's true. This um, whole free market, I keep hearing this yeah. term, <laughs> the invisible hand of capitalism, free market economy. Where you can like buy whatever you want and like sell it, and then like no one can get you in trouble and like get rich. 
<laughs> all those buzzwords i'm like no bad and i don't really know what they mean but can i know you, i'm not into it <laughs> <laughs> can you just be the running narrative voice of my like inner monologue because that was fantastic <laughs> free market invisible hand Woo! <laughs> yes i'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's 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 also like yeah because we live in a cashless system now it's it is kind of scary because it's all numbers and dimes and you know everything True, goes down it's not even real Nah, it's and it, and it's it, you know I find the whole thing of like, um, you know, profit sharing and everything, uh, you know, it, someone who explains, <laughs> I barely understand how I make money, let alone how it manages itself. That terrifies <laughs> me. Uh, it seems to go into my bank, then out of my bank. Like this is the. Dude, I know. And I'm so bad at maths that I'll like look at my bank and be like, someone's robbed me. <laughs> because I've only spent $100 here, $60 here and $300 there. Like that is not $500. <laughs> that is less, right? Right? It's not. No. No. I had to do some quick maths just then for that joke. That was some quick math for that joke. Wow, I'm impressed with myself. I'm impressed. (laughs) I think I said $480. I think that's what it was. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. (laughs) But seriously, like, that's, whoa, that's never happened. Yeah, I know. I mean, this is, the, and this is why we have accountants and, you know. Yeah, man, you, I love my accountant. Yeah, because you, you freelance, so that's kind of the only way you. Yeah, dude, that MyGov thing and it's asking you these questions and you're like, what are you talking about, dude? I, I have no idea. Like, what does that word mean? Yeah, I know. And what are you fucking on about? Like, what? It's gibberish. Yeah. How the fuck do people do their tax on MyGov? And the thing is, like, I, I just I just gave up and was like, I'm just going to click through. And I'm just going to get to the end so I can just get some tax return because I'm poor and I need it. Yeah. But it wouldn't even let me keep going. It was like, choose your option of whatever the fuck. Yeah. What? Do you know about this stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. It's well, so fucked. Do you want to eh? be my accountant? Uh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I hate doing my taxes. I have to I have to go through all my like actual, um, you know, dividends and fill that in. That's and, what I'm talking about. That word, that's come up for me. Yeah. It's like, have you added your dividends? What do you mean? Why? What is that? Um, it's basically all your expenses that kind of go oh, under your yeah, job. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how much a percentage. Oh, no, you, I do know yeah, those. I yeah. Do know those. Um, and I claim about 50% of all my dividends of any tax agents listening i claim 50 percent because get fucked <laughs> i'm not evading taxes um but yeah like i use half of it for work related reasons and the other half for fun so you know what's also effed mm. i met an actor who also casually worked as an accountant amazing what a legend anyway he told me that most people who get audited are like low income earners yeah because they will lie on their tax return because, like, fuck, they think no one's watching and no one cares. But they're the people that usually get audited and then end up owing the tax department. Yeah. Not millionaires. No. That's so fucked up. Yeah. Because to me, if I got audited and I owed them $1,000, I'd be like, that's huge, man. Yeah. That's, like, a big deal for me. Like, that's, like, I'm I'm in strife. Yeah. For a millionaire, that's, like, you wouldn't even notice. <laughs> no, it'd be, like, pittance. It'd be a it walk would in be the park. Like, it would be, like, oh, like, you wouldn't even see it. No. No, but that's that's the problem. You know, we have a class system still, and yeah. it is. You know, we are low. We are, you know, even though we get money, we are still on the low end of you know the social economic ladder, um, because you know we are artists, and we don't earn enough to then for break the bank and be like you know 
we're poor and miserable. Well, no, we earn enough to make, be not poor and miserable, but we don't earn enough to like buy a mansion or buy a house. Mm, but then don't you get that? Like I always get this guilt where I feel like, oh, you know, it's so hard. I'm so poor because I'm an artist. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Like that's like my choice. I know. Like it's a really fun thing to do. Yeah. And like you could also be a lawyer or, or a social worker. Yeah. And that would actually be like helpful. I mean, not that art isn't helpful. Oh my god, sacrilegious Satan! I, I feel like you're gonna have horrible nightmares tonight. I'm just I'm like, oh my god, yeah, you're gonna have this like Satan with an invisible hand being like, give me my tax, give and me my tax return. Artist. And you're gonna be like, oh my god, Meg, she fucked me up. I'm not gonna sleep well tonight. Anyway, I don't actually think that art is very legitimate. It got everyone through COVID. It is literally all anyone ever does is watch television. Like, literally, we're obsessed with it. We're obsessed with television but i just i just get that guilty feeling sometimes you know that like you know maybe i shouldn't complain about being poor (laughs) (laughs) and on that beautiful note no i don't think you should complain about being an artist um but also i think yeah it's fair to complain but on that beautiful note i think that's a perfect point to wrap us <laughs> um, I was going to ask you the question. Where can people stalk you, Meg? Oh, um, my name is Meg Eloise Clark <laughs> at Instagram. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much the one. Yeah, go, we'll go and stalk. I you also Meg. have Facebook, but I feel like Facebook's lame now. No one uses. Yeah, it. no one uses it. Like, and I don't I... have TikTok. I'm too old for that. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have TikTok, and I'm, I'm too You're older old than me. me. I'm older than I you. I don't just it. don't get it. No, I just it's... don't get it. I get fucked videos shown to me, and I'm like, whoa! I don't want to see this. No, I'm. I like shark videos. That's yeah, what I like. shark. <laughs> Anyway, just, I'm just rambling. I love it. <laughs> um, but no, thank you so much for joining me. It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure. I've loved every second. You're like, what the fuck did I say? I don't know. I'm stressed. Anyway, bye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> It's, I've had a wonderful time. I'm glad you were like threatened to leave at some point. Yeah, it's been chaotic. But I've loved it. Um, so thank you. Um, and if you want to go and check out more episodes of the things we do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.